Welcome everybody to the Lonely TARDIS, your journey through Time Lords and space where we take Doctor Who and enjoy it, hopefully. This is uh, the Lonely TARDIS, the weekly podcast. We are in our fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth season, ninth season of our show, the 11th season of Doctor Who. Uh, I am Dolly Domofsky. Joining me, as usual, is the Sean Norton. Hello, I enjoyed it. And the Steven Strum. Hi, I also enjoyed it. I like Doctor <laughs> Who, as it turns out. <laughs> and Marcus Beer will be joining us um, a little bit uh, later. Hopefully he's uh, running behind a little bit. So, uh, Gentlemen, how are you guys? It's always fantastic to, to chat with you lovely young men. Yes, it is also lovely to chat with you, fellow young man. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, how, how, how are you? I am good. I am good. And you guys did you watch, are... Did you watch the new episode of the television show? I I, I did. did there, was, there, there was a new... Ep- well, we'll get to that in a second. I want to know there, now. There was a... Uh, we, we will rate it at the end, because people do love it when we rate things. I do want to say, though, I was... Um, Hangers. Yeah, cliffhanger. Uh, I was kind of cleaning out old podcast stuff, and... Um, we started podcasting the old Lonely Tardis in August of 2000, or sorry, June first, two thousand eleven. Wow! Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but you guys didn't join on until uh, until later. Uh, Stephen, you actually joined uh, on episode two, which was in August of two thousand eleven. There was a, a nice two month hiatus between Doctor Who episodes. Oh, you um, had to see if it would work out. Yeah, yeah. See if. if it, <laughs> Sean, you actually joined in episode three, so you weren't too far behind. And then Marcus, I think, joined us towards the end of uh, towards the beginning of the second season that we were doing. So always That's a good time. Crazy, over seven years of the lonely TARDIS. Can you guys believe it? it time has time has stood still in a weird way that we've I'm been doing this podcast. Looking back now, we missed out on all that. Yeah, we missed out on all that Patreon money and YouTube money that. I'm sure it comes along with this kind of stuff, right? Yes, that is, yes. yes. Yeah, you know. I'm sure we would have made dozens of dollars. We would have made for our 10 episodes a year and sometimes Christmas specials. Yeah. We haven't <laughs> barely done any episodes lately. This is our third episode this year, surprisingly. In our defense, they yeah. took the doctor away from us for a very long time. <laughs> Correct. We are going to have fun today, though, guys. Uh, there is a officially a new doctor a whole new season has begun bbc and bbc america debuted uh, or premiered this past sunday the woman who fell to earth also known as doctor number 13 13 their first season her first season it's a lady starring jodie whittaker as the doctor and a whole new cast of of companions with uh, Chris Chibnall as the is it Chris, Chris Chibnall as the producer and I think directed this first episode was uh, Jamie Childs actually um, yeah written by Chris Chibnall as well so um, it has begun guys it has begun it's back Doctor Who's back Woo, we did it yeah yes are you guys happy it is back? all credit to us oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's because of us that Doctor Who is back Right, the, you know, they need to start making more episodes so we can start making more episodes of this show, which, of course, Correct. is more popular. So. <laughs> By my understanding, though, actually, somebody was pointing out uh, in Twitter, uh, in the DMs, if you will, that uh, this turned out to be very popular, actually. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Sean. You, were, you pointed this out, right? I pointed what out? You, you gave us the link to the amount of uh, viewers. Oh, yes. Sorry. I lost my connection for a second. Uh, I did. It was huge, actually. Uh, The Women Who Fell to Earth was a rating smash for Doctor Who, garnering 8.2 million viewers on BBC One in the UK, which was about 40% of the total television audience, which is just bananas. That beats the overnight ratings for both Matt Smith, who had 8 million, and Peter Capaldi, 6.8 million debuts as a Doctor, but did not match David Tennant's 9.4 million debut. But that was a Christmas special, which tends Mm -hmm. to draw in larger audiences. Uh, in fact, the overnight ratings for The Woman Who Fell to Earth are the biggest for a quote-unquote normal episode, as in not a Christmas special or an event broadcast or anniversary, since 2008's Journey's End. 
Wow. Where is that from, just for the proper credit? Uh, it's it's uh, somewhere the in internet? the internet, the overnight okay. sun. And, uh, I think I read it on io9, and they picked it up from... Okay, I was just wondering who you were quoting from. So. My, my sources. <laughs> your internal sources, your internal. secret sources. Yes. I, I get it all beamed to me. The overnight's from the UK. So it was popular, is what you're what you're saying? It was, it was very favorite. popular. Yes, it was. It was really, really, really crazy popular, which crazy. is a really good sign for the show. I mean, even if, when it drops off, and it will, because nothing ever stays through with the premiere numbers. Um, no, it will not. It will not drop off in any way. At least it shouldn't, unless the show winds up being garbage. Um, it should not drop off in any significant way. Uh, these are really, really good numbers, and it would seem that all the sort of outrage and blow-ups over the the casting and the role of the gender changing and all that fun stuff might have been, and this might surprise you guys who also live on the internet, might have been a vocal minority. I know. Ooh, I know. What? Vocal minorities? I know. I know. It's crazy, but mm. it's uh, it's really something. It's really something. People were very, very excited for this. Well, it's actually interesting to me, too, because like a lot of the time, what ends up happening with like and Doctor Who is a special case because it's a show that's been running for a million years. But like, oftentimes when a show starts flagging, it's been running for seven seasons or something like that. Your whatever kind of network show that's like a weird detective series or something like that. What they'll often do is swap out the cast, typically for like a you know more diverse cast or something like that, or switch from like you know white men in the lead or whatever, and then like bury it and not, you know, put it on a Friday night, give it no advertising or whatever, and then say, and then when it fails, it'd be like, oh, well, clearly people didn't want that or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's certainly a thing that's happened before. Doctor Who, obviously, like I said, kind of an outlier. But if you take it in the terms of, like, Doctor Who as, like, from between now and 2005, you know, kind of in the same situation, kind of in the same, could have been in the same situation, but it seems like the BBC actually kind of supported it with advertising and such they didn't kind of just like bury it and uh, let it die and that's good to see hey everybody a, a wild marcus beer has joined us who sorry a wild marcus beer has appeared hello ladies hey marcus welcome my apologies for being late that's okay that's fine um, i've already forgotten about you obviously so. i am yeah i am really i'm really sorry i'm late but i'm really looking forward to talking about killing eve <laughs> excellent um you're on the wrong podcast again marcus oh i'll get my coat <laughs> uh yes welcome back marcus we are just kicking things off spoke a little bit about the phenomenal numbers of the debut um and now we're gonna i think we're actually just gonna dive into Dive into the show with a quick, quick summary, and then um, we'll go off one by one on our on our thoughts and comments. So I think it'll be a, it'll be a good time. So the woman who fell to earth, first episode of the eleventh series of the of uh, the British sci-fi television. We're gonna I'm reading from Wikipedia. Obviously, you guys all know that. But anyways, it focuses on uh, this collection of companions that come together. Let me rephrase that: a group of people that come together on a train. Um, or is it a bus? I can't quite remember. And uh, uh, the doctor falls through the ceiling because they're being invaded by a flying uh, octopusian monster, I guess, a, a multi-tentacled uh, beast. Um, they come to find out that there is a second uh, alien floating around, running around, that's uh, essentially Earth is caught in this war between these two races, which is as typical for a doctor, I guess. Um, and then uh, the doctor saves the day by uh, defeating the one and, and, and so on and so forth. And that's basically it. It's the doctor. It's a very simple summary. What did you guys think? I want to I wanna start with Stephen. What were your thoughts on Jodie Whittaker as the doctor, first and foremost? Um, maybe we'll go talk about that first, and then we'll get into the rest of the episode. How's that sound? Sounds good. Jodie Whittaker's doctor. What did you think? I uh, definitely, I like. I mean, I like her. I like. Uh, I liked her a lot. I thought it was a pretty good start to this. Like, you know, it's always slightly weird, and they kind of address this as they do in basically every uh, regeneration, right, post-regeneration right. episode. That like these characters aren't really established yet, and they will be largely established by their actions throughout the series and whatnot. Um, and that they kind of always kind of sidestep that a little bit with like having them kind of have a very manic intro with uh, things like 
not remembering who they are or, you know, slowly dying and like falling into a coma and stuff like that. And here we didn't see a ton of that. It was mostly just like her forgetting her name throughout the series and whatnot. But otherwise we kind of got a lot of the Hallmark Doctor Who stuff of like, uh, mm-hmm. my body is weird and I don't like my legs are, should be longer and this nose doesn't work right and stuff like that, which is all fun. Um, definitely, a, well, like as that kind of that, uh, Twitter thread we were passing around, or that I passed around, I guess, at the DMs as well, kind of points out, like, this is definitely a cheerier Doctor than uh, the Peter Capaldi run, which was, like, very much sure. designed by, uh, defined by not being cheery. It was very much, like, just frustrated and upset with things, so it would make sense that, like, coming out of that, um, you know, she is definitely the more kind of, like, open about just kind of liking people again. Definitely kind of almost a David Tennant-like quality in terms of just like the way the writing and of like, you know, the kind of person that she is and stuff like that, very impressed with humanity and just liking mm-hmm. people and complimenting them, you know, throughout the series and or throughout the episode and stuff like that. So that was, that was always fun for me to see. Cause that definitely like that doctor. I like that very positive doctor who wants to see that a little bit of weird kind of hinkiness there that like almost that I'm almost certain was probably like some cut scenes and stuff like that. Cause there's like some stuff that she says that, never really gets addressed when mm-hmm. they, uh, towards the end of the episode, uh, they beat the toothpaste monster lizard man guy. Um, and by, uh, uh, shifting the DNA bombs that he was going to use on the cast of this episode, uh, back into him. And then the, uh, the guy he is trying to capture and essentially kill, like pushes him off of a cliff before he teleports. And she says, you had no right to do that. And then we just never address that again. We never see that guy <laughs> again. Like, so I'm not like totally sure what she was getting at there. Like I get the ideas probably that like she, mm-hmm. that he had no right to kill him, like to kill the alien, but like, wasn't the alien already dying or was he, was with the DNA bombs not working on him because uh, it wasn't his DNA or what? Like that felt very much to me like a scene that was like, there was a deleted scene there that we missed. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of curious where that's going. Cause that's also kind of a very David Tennant thing of like, Yes, I'm here to save the humans from the aliens, uh, but also uh, I'm I will not allow the humans to just wantonly kill the, uh, the the aliens and stuff around them as well. So I'm kind of curious to see where that's going. But otherwise, uh, you know, just generally very much like the kind of like more emotionally sure. uh, uh, chipper and uh, open doctor for sure. Okay, so a little more chipper, a little more open. Um... Sean, what were your thoughts on the uh, on our brand new Doctor? Yeah, um, you know, I definitely there were a couple of things jarring, and I think that was one of them. Um, I agree with Stephen that that scene felt like it ended very abruptly. Um, it definitely could have used a little more padding. Uh, just everything about that when they were all up on the crane. Um, that said, I really liked her. I, I felt that she there wasn't as long of a sort of transition or is like getting to know the doctor bit of this you know what i mean that we get a lot after regenerations this was pretty much straight up she landed um and like steven said a little bit of the regeneration wonkiness which is still a nice throwback to some of the other stuff we've seen um and then she was she was off and she was whimsical and she looked like she was putting her spin on things uh, while taking what seemed to be a fair amount of inspiration from David Tennant's Doctor. Um, but it was good. It, w- it was a good performance. Um, she immediately gelled in the role. It immediately felt like the same character. Um, again, with obviously someone else playing the part and some a woman playing the part, um, which I thought was very well done. I, I thought that... Um, her performance across the board was really, really solid. The episode itself was not perfect, but as a sort of relaunching off point, it was very good. Um, and I was actually pretty surprised. Uh, I think pleasantly surprised. I wasn't sure going in how much of a hardcore reboot this would be and how much they were going to jettison a lot of sort of the older formula. Um, and they definitely did in some ways. There's a lot of Moffatisms are gone, which is a good thing. Um, but it was a pretty tried and true Doctor Who story where you had the, the monsters and you had the Doctor trying to figure stuff out and, and sort of talking aloud as she went and bringing the companions in and we get to meet them for the first time and, and whatever. Um, and it, 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 was, it was cool to see that as much as I'm sure in the coming weeks they will be putting their own stamp on this show, um, 
it is not jettisoning jettisoning uh, a lot, or I should say, all of what who has been up to this point um, in the long run. Whether or not that'll be good or bad, time will tell. But I think I think she is off to a very strong start, and I, it sounds like we'll come back and talk about some of the other episodic <laughs> episode stuff. But as far as she's concerned. I, I think it was a very, very, very strong start, and I, I had a lot of fun watching her. Um, she brings a sort of whimsy and childlike wonder to the role, which I think has been missing for a while. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. Okay, well, I'll um, I'll kind of hop in uh, with my thoughts here. I'm I'm in that same I'm in that same boat as you guys. I think she did she did really well as the doctor from 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 my thoughts. Um, uh, She's obviously a fantastic actor. I think that that really kind of shows in her, just the way she kind of carried a lot, carried herself and carried a lot of those, the lines and um, the, the material that was handed to her. So I think from, from that standpoint, she did extremely well. I think she, she sold me as the doctor and as a doctor sort of coming out of a regeneration, but in a, Again, yeah, a lighthearted, a little bit more fun, um, fun way, which was kind of interesting because I mean, I think there was a line where she, she, uh, she asked what she looked like, and they said, "Oh, you're 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 a woman." I think the guy the guy called her "ma'am" first. Goes, "Ma'am, what do you mean?" So oh, you're a woman. Oh, I was a, you know, I was an older, I was a white haired Scotsman just thirty minutes ago. <laughs> that, was that, was, that was that was great, <laughs> really nice, a, a nice delivery, good kind of fun line. Um, I'm, I am curious how much of the uh, the um, lines are from her and, and how much are, you know, how much is, is her spin on things and, and what's actually been handed to her in the script. But I think she sold that, that really well. She comes off as a, uh, there's definitely a little bit of tenant in there, which I kind of see that sort of like loves people where, I mean, Peter Capaldi, when Dr. 12 first showed up, he hated humans, right? He, we were mush brains. And uh, this is a very different doctor. This is a um, a doctor that cares about humans. It's it's it felt like it. And I think that that that's a cool spin for the doctor. Kind of jump onto that point. You had the the Matt Smith doctor, which sort of felt I don't want to say self centered, but um, sort of uh, was trying to find his place in the universe. You had the Peter Capaldi, uh, you know, first coming on, which sort of hated <laughs> hated humans. And hated being on Earth, and now you have this doctor which loves being on Earth, um, loves humanity, and uh, or seems to, and is also really smart because she whips up a brand new um, sonic screwdriver like out of out of nowhere, out of thin air, and 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 she's a she's almost got the uh, the I guess the lightheartedness of Tenant, the caring of Tenant, I should say the science the the mind of of matt smith um rolled together so i'm i I enjoyed her first in i will get into the actual episode i don't think the episode actually did her quite justice but um i think for her debut it was it was pretty strong and just kind of setting up what kind of doctor she's going to be you know yeah just like everybody said i'm curious to see how this goes through when we get some real like longer plots and, and, and more of a woven uh, storyline put together for this season. But um, uh, I know they're, you know, I, I'm, I, for the first debut, I think it was, it was pretty strong. Marcus, what about you? Hmm. All right. Where to start? Horrible, banal, um, badly thought out, fronted by somebody totally not qualified to be there full of really just unintelligible idiots is this this podcast you're you're talking about right. no no it's not it's not um i wish it was um a total waste of of time and whoever really came up with it came up with it should be fired um but enough about the pre-show coverage on bbc america Oh, well done. Because the pre-show coverage on, on BBC America. Um, and look, ever <laughs> since BBC America merged with AMC, it's a, oh, it's a, it's a fucking diabolical disgrace. Yeah, it um, is. It is. That pre-show was insulting. It was the yep. worst kind of pandering, you know, poor man's Comic-Con-y crap. 
with, oh, look at us, we're so in touch and enlightened. We have a bunch of Americans who are going to come and talk about Doctor Who, uh, <laughs> fronted by a shrill Argent, uh, Australian Muppet. Um, who's like, by the way, uh, oh, he... look at that, mate, go blow me. The doctor's down under two, and now we're going back in New York, and everybody's going to have a watch party, and we're going to throw some fosters on the barbie. Marcus, uh, please do accents every time we record, these are phenomenal. Please, um, it was that was totally insulting, totally insulting. I mean, that you know, BBC America built up to it by showing all the episodes, uh, you know, a bunch of episodes they ran with Day of the Doctor just beforehand. And then they went to this bollocks, um, which, like I said, totally ridiculous. Um, I really can't stand the ass clowns at AMC. I hope this licensing deal or whatever with BBC, um, uh, BBC Worldwide ends shortly. I blame the Tory government for this because their <laughs> continued attacking of the BBC over the last few years has forced BBC, the BBC to pull back on its worldwide enterprises and turn what was a really entertaining network into a um, shoddy pile of shit that, mm-hmm. that only has two sh- uh, two shows, three shows worth uh, worth anything. And obviously Killing Eve that I, that I joked about when I first came on, the Graham Norton show and Doctor Who. Um, you don't like Star Trek reruns? They belong, they belong on AMC. I mean, we are talking about AMC, the network, that <laughs> took the Walking Dead and ran that into the ground and then did Fear the Walking Dead, which, you know, and we're going to have the next one, Smell the Walking Dead and Taste the Walking Dead and Come Over the Walking Dead. I mean, all that shit that they will flog into the ground also. I'm just glad they don't actually have any control over the, the BBC franchises because God knows what we'd get. Um, so, yeah, that was all garbage. I like the episode. <laughs> um, yeah. okay. uh, I mean, you know, maybe it was a cunning plan to 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 basically infuriate lots of people uh in advance so that they, they'd be sort of like you know the bar would be so low but no i actually i actually thought it was a um and bear with me on this i thought it was a stronger first episode mm-hmm. for a new doctor than capaldi's yeah yeah um yep. because the, the you know the dinosaur one um in the middle of the thames um was just pretty much a waste of space um and that was again that nothing was, to do with capaldi that was that was always down to, to moffat so um yeah i thought that it was um very uh, a good episode i thought it started well creepy um new you know new bad guys always mean that we put we piece things together as they piece things together the characters on the screen and um, I thought that was handled very well. Um, and I'll get on to Jodie Whittaker in a second. Um, I sit corrected over Bradley Walsh. I thought he hmm. was just this game show host slash uh, moderately, un- uh, moderately occasionally funny middle-of-the-road comedian. And it turns out, boy, can he act. Um, I thought his character was fantastic. And I'm not saying that because he's literally the only old white guy in the series. Um, but I'm saying that particular arc with what happened to him and his wife. And uh, I, th- um, I thought that was incredibly touching and well acted. I thought um, Yaz and, oh, I'm spazzing on the, the, the young lad's name. Brian? Uh, what's his name? Brian, Brian, I think. Sinclair? Yes. Um, yep. I, I thought they were, they were great too and hinted some really interesting backstories moving forward. Um, I thought they they really did it really did well. Um, let's talk about the bad guy. Um, let's face it, Chris Chibnall actually pulled off an episode uh, a Predator storyline better than the last three Predator movies. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm glad I'm not the only person who immediately thought, "Oh, this is a Predator thing." Yeah, uh, and I, you know, again, I thought it, you know the. the the logic behind it was sound. Um, some of the some of the little lines, building, uh, you know, you can't get much more hardcore than building your own uh, sonic screwdriver right. in a in a friggin' garage in Sheffield. Um, and then the line about Sheffield Steel because Sheffield used to have this <laughs> steel making industry, and that's where a lot of the world's knives and forks came from, or the steel for the knives and forks. They were Sheffield Steel, and um, a long time ago. Uh, oh, not too long, but for for the longest time, it was the <laughs> number one steel producer on the planet. It was the best steel as well. Um, so yeah, I thought that line was was really good. 
Um, and while I may also still have some issues with Jodie Whittaker's, uh, what's going on here? type accent, uh, I thought she did very, very well. I thought she brought a new spin on the doctor. I mean, obviously, it's early doors. We're looking at a doctor who doesn't know whether she's coming or going. Mm -hmm. um, could have done without the Superman cannonball entrance into the moving train crashing <laughs> yeah. through all that metal. Oh, um, yeah, that was that really was just full on fucking redonkulous uh, and a little bit too much. But I mean, you know, we've we've seen the Doctor obviously take more damage than that, but um, we've never seen him, uh, he or she, it, mm -hmm. uh, they. Um, oh God, the, the gender gender pronoun game is going to be so tricky over the over the coming months when we're talking about previous incarnations. Um, yeah, we've never seen the Doctor ram through a um, the ceiling of a speeding train. And, <laughs> and look, I know that um, public transportation in the UK is, again, uh, a bit on the shit side. The trains are quite old. But trust me, you know, anything flesh and bone, no matter how much re regen energy you got going through you, would not do well against it. So um, She would have been yeah. a pancake. She, she, it, it, she came it, down it, from the sky. She came, she fell from her ship. Yeah. Through yeah, she she would have been, she was smush, and that's I mean that I got a funny feeling is what we're gonna get to expect a few times this season um, mm -hmm. when you know um, chibnalisms is going to be our new word. There's gonna be chibnalisms, uh, but no, on the whole, I thought it was uh, it was a very good, very strong opening episode mm. to the um, to the season. Uh, I look forward to see where it goes. Um, the soundtrack. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the theme tune because sure. um, I watched it yesterday morning. There was no intro sequence yesterday no. morning. There's no intro sequence last night or in the mm -hmm. UK. Um, so the only way that you would hear the theme, the new theme tune, is at the very end. Obviously, BBC America yesterday morning decided nobody needs to hear the theme tune because as soon as the show ended, we went back to the bad Kylie Minogue knockoff squawking, <laughs> uh, squawking about, ah, great, it was in it. Um, so, yeah, I didn't hear that. I actually only heard the theme tune this morning when I found a link for it on the Twitter. Um, and I don't know if you, if you guys have talked about this yet, but the theme no. tune is um, they've actually taken some original beats from the uh, some beats from the original recording that that was made for the for the theme tune um and all i can say is they kind of the you know the musical stomp you know that musical performance thing in stomp like the mm -hmm. blue man group where there's like a bunch of shaven headed alt right wannabe looking uh, looking guys bashing the shit out of t tin <laughs> barrels and crap like that there's a lot of that in it it's very stompish um, so that's the only way I heard it when I found it this morning. So you can actually uh, Google it and, and listen to it because it's um, it's very um, um, raucous. But yeah, I just um, posted it in our in our chat. But yeah, I agree. It, it is kind of a raucousy, loud theme. It's not the crappy electronica of the past, thank God. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought you know that was kind of disappointing. I mean, I had more problems with BBC America's coverage, um, and I also had problems with the. 332 commercial breaks. There's so many commercials. That, oh, that my Lord. Were put in. Um, Ooh, they broke up the episode horribly. They ruined yeah. it. And, you know, in the past, we've been spoiled. It's all been with limited commercial, um, you know, commercial breaks because they've had a sponsor. Um, this time they had a sponsor and said, fuck you, people of America. We're taking the money and we're going to cut cut up a bunch of commercial breaks in there as well. So uh, uh, I'm giving it um, I'm giving it three more weeks on this subscription that I've got for, to stream Sling into my house and then get BBC America that way. Um, and uh, then I'm probably going to cancel that subscription, say, fuck you, BBC Forever, America Forever, and just go and buy the whole series. Not a bad idea. Yeah, it was just so jarring. Like I, I came back last night late, and I wound up catching the 10 p.m. rerun because I guess they reran it multiple times yesterday. Yeah, they did. They did. And I, I thought it was what 60, 65 minutes, whatever. Um, 
and it was slotted out for two hours. And I was like, this yeah. is, this can't be right. Maybe there was a big post-show thing. And it was just so jarring to like have these, these really monumental moments or really important, impactful things. And then not only cut to a commercial, but then in the middle of the commercial cut to like, oh, now we're going to talk to Jody. And how did you feel when you were cast as a doctor? And it's like, I don't care. Like, that's really cool. Put it at the beginning or the end. Like, I want to see what's going to happen with these guys hanging off a crane. I don't want to talk to her about that time she felt all floaty. Again, all respect to her, but it was just awful. The production was well, save that shit for the end of the show. Exactly. Uh, but but again, this 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 just goes to show, and this the 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 decline in standards on BBC America has been biblical. It's it's basically you know it's it's like watching it's like watching America, like I'm you know going from this potentially. <laughs> cool idea and everything were you know everything being pretty good and you still keeping a lot of the British roots <laughs> about stuff to really just I mean I am waiting for you know Jodie Whittaker to be forced to wear a, a fucking Ronald McDonald clown outfit it for hurts. this uh, before the season uh, uh, finale because AMC have signed a sponsorship in America um, mm. which is going to introduce you to the Sonic Twat Burger <laughs> um, well so Okay. One of the things I wanted to talk about, a couple yeah, things please. in the episode that really stood out to me, I thought it was really nice as of now, and I hope it stays this way, that none of these companions... Uh, so first of all, I thought it was nice we got a little group of people. I thought it was nice that they all kind of knew each other, so there really wasn't that weird, like, you know, not only do you have to meet the alien, but you also have to meet each other and kind of be forced together thing. I thought it was nice that they all had, like, similar backgrounds um, from school or whatever, but I also really liked that there was no one special. There was no impossible girl. Oh, yeah. There was no girl that waited. There was no mystery yeah. at the end of time yeah. or Roman soldier waiting at for a thousand years. Like these were just normal blokes, if I may steal Marcus's vernacular. And uh, ladies. And ladies. Because blokes and uh, blokes are uh, blokes are uh, blokes are dudes. And I know we, we're in enlightened times, but ladies don't want to be called blokes. It's like calling saying everybody, "Hey, you guys," when there are ladies present. If I may Americanize it, these dudes and dudettes, uh, they, they're not like going to save the universe. This, these were just normal people impacted by crazy random alien shit uh, that, you know, they had to go about trying to save their skin. Or in this case, and another thing, which segues into the other thing I really liked, it wasn't a universe spanning threat. It wasn't mm -hmm. the earth was going to explode and the doctor had to do all kinds of crazy shit without a TARDIS and a Sonic. It was like this really lame predator knockoff who's very bad at his job like is coming around to, to kill people and, and take them home and and the doctor had to figure out how to stop him and it was contained and it was personal and it was to the point and it was it was really solid compared to the Moffat style of just like just craziness and constantly having to save all of reality and all that shit right that was one of my absolute favorite parts about this whole episode like from the very jump with that too like I forget the name of the like the kind of the the red shirt that the, the guy's trying to save, but the uh, that guy on the train, like he just starts off at the beginning of the episode saying like, yeah, I know you guys, you know, you're getting involved in alien shit here and everything like that, but I just want to live a normal life. <laughs> and nobody like, nobody like demeans him for that either. Nobody, there's like, yeah. you know, previous doctors definitely would have been like, ah, well, you're not special or cool enough or important enough. It's just like, my dude, like we just really need to live our lives sometimes, and especially these days. And I think, that like Whitaker even has kind of a line like that later on in the episode where it's at the very end, I believe, like where they're asking like, Hey, do you do this often? Like, does this always happen around you? And it is such a 2018 response. Like it is not the, the doctor of like, this planet is protected. This not, it's not uh, the doctor. Like I save people. Like I get to determine all this stuff. She's just like, shit's bad. I just kind of go from place to place and I help where I can. Like sometimes you just got like, you do the right thing because you have to do the right thing. And sometimes it's not enough. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's the things yep. are still going to be bad or whatever. Yep. And, but like, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't stop to help, like to save one person sometimes or like, or just in general, like it, you should just do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And for the longest time, it has been such a thing about Dr. Who that I, you know, that, like, that is like my thing about Dr. Who that I like, but like what attracts me to the doctor as a concept of just like this person who has power to do right and just chooses to do it. And I appreciated the very subtle kind of way that they modernized that for our current political, economic, like climate moment, like all the moments that are currently going on right now where the world feels like it's falling apart, whatever, whatever. It's like, 
it's so easy to lose hope in this exact moment, like hope in general and like fall into despair and like use despair as an alibi to not do good. And having that little line of just like, no, I just try to do the best that I can. I try to help when I can. It's such a cool thing to me. And I like, I would like to see that kind of that kind of personal stakes continue throughout the rest of the series. Um, and I like, even like the, the companions, they don't come along because Jodie Whittaker's like, I, I need people who are special to come with me. They come along by accident. <laughs> like they just get zapped through the portal at the end of the episode. And now we get to see like, you know, where things go from there. And I'm really curious to see like what they're like, how they come to make their decisions to, you know, presumably continue to travel with the doctor from there. Yeah. And hanging um, on a proper old school cliffhanger. Well, I thought was a really nice touch too. Uh, that was then probably given away because we know everybody's going to bloody survive. Right, sure. <laughs> because they've leaked enough information and they then have the coming soon. Yeah, they went right into that, didn't they? Like, oh no, we left him in space. Next time, Sam. It was yeah. after the credits, I believe. Was it? Because it. Yeah. Well, the there, there, were, there were no credits on the yeah. premieres today. So mm-hmm. that's the other thing I was going to say. I didn't see any of this advertisement, this like in between cuts to Jody Whitaker live or whatever. I didn't see any of that because I watched it on Amazon. So like, I just oh, saw the entire episode. You, you, just, you just gave him your three bucks and, and, and yeah. moved on. And I think that's just the way to go from now on. It really is. Yeah. Um, I just need to find a different place to buy my episodes. So I don't give Jeff Bezos any more money, but that's besides the point. Um, yeah, I think... I would hate to get to the end of this uh, this season and find out that the impossible grandma who waited <laughs> is, yeah. is is going to be there. Um, I don't think it will, thankfully. Um, I thought the grandma was great. She was I, fantastic. Oh, fantastic, and she she's the one who she's obviously she's the core link. Um, she's the link between all those characters, um, mm-hmm. and I think that they unfortunately they'll probably exploit her again in some way. Uh, it was a shame she, you know, she had to had to die. But obviously, that that's mm. the bonding agent. Um, yeah, I just uh, I really hope that they don't base every goddamn episode in Sheffield moving forward. Because <laughs> no offense, no offense to the people of Sheffield, and I'm sure you said you think you got, you know, they would probably say the same about Wales and and Cardiff in particular. Um, Sheffield's a bit of a hole. <laughs> um, it's you know I mean look and it's just not my cup of tea and it's just the fucking accents just get on my tits and I, like I said I'm sure they think the Welsh accent is the same and for that I say screw off it's made by BBC America not BBC Sheffield uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah seriously if it wasn't BBC uh, sorry BBC Wales not BBC Sheffield if it wasn't right. for BBC Wales there'd be no new Doctor Who so everybody can suck up on that one uh, but yes I hope that there are you know they do dot around everywhere and you know there are more episodes that are you know the earth based earth based ones uh do not keep on coming back to the steel city um because i know my friend rob smith would be uh he probably enjoy mm-hmm. he's a sheffield united fan but he did go to college in aberystwyth which is in mid wales so he's got a bit of class i like to say that he was born in england and refined in wales uh anyway i digress <laughs> yeah Good start. All right. Um, talk about I like the three episode now. Let's go. He accidentally, like they weren't go. Was you know they weren't going. Like she was, she was out. She was like, thanks for your help. And then she accidentally winds up sapping them all out there. Yeah. Well, again, so- we knew. I mean, yes, it was a great way. We all thought, oh, okay, so she's gonna vanish and just reappear instantly in the TARDIS and say, you want to come with me then? Right. And have some right. chip butties and a mm-hmm. cup of tea. Um, and obviously, them all appearing in space. Um, but again, we know that they're there for the season. I and think it's, it's, it's just a nice the, narrative the, the, change. Yeah, but the, I mean, absolutely. But the magic of that, the magic of that is all ruined nowadays with BBC, the BBC's own promotional process sure. and the state of the internet and everything. And, you know, I hope that we are not going to have what bookend, what essentially bookended this episode. Uh, obviously, like I said, initially you had. Um, you know, Time Lord of Steel crashing through a, through a <laughs> uh, thing. And then all of a sudden you've got three human beings and this Time Lord of Steel mm. appearing in space. Now, everybody knows that you're instantly dead. It's not like, <laughs> oh, you can't hold your breath. You know, it's not like you're underwater. 
And there's uh, no time to do that with the split second that they appeared there. Exactly. Those motherfuckers be dead. <laughs> I mean, and no, no, you know, no offense, unless you know. And look, I'm sure that will be. Oh, they, they, you know, she got the calculations wrong, and you know, in the, they're they're also like they're 20 feet apart, um, but they're 21 feet away from the TARDIS in, in the in the newly engorged force bubble that now you know is around. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, yeah. the TARDIS uh, the TARDIS only generates with oxygen, but no gravity when the TARDIS is rebooting. So the TARDIS was exploding. And of course, the last time the TARDIS was exploding, it turned into a sun and the Pandorica was closed and then open. And uh, time was going, you know, Winston Churchill was riding an ostrich to work down the high streets of London. So, can yeah. Just, can I just give you props for the phrase engorged force bubble? <laughs> Sorry, is that too phallic for you? No, no, I, I'm, I'm okay. quite into it. And maybe look, I, maybe I, not I, enough. Can I just say, I do not endorse forcing any bubbles. <laughs> I respect the forces, right? Uh, the bubbles, right? Dolly, you had said yeah. you had a lot of stuff you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I wanted to let you guys go first. Um, Why do I have to talk? He's already said his bit. It's our no, turn. Do people, no, turn up. <laughs> people turn up for me and Steven mostly anyway. <laughs> That's true. Um, you know, I mean, that's the, you know, they just want to, they, they, they want to hear the, uh, you know, the, the chemistry between us, the unbridled. So un engorged the thing about JK Rowling is engorged chemistry, engorged force bubbles. Well, give me your, give me your thoughts. Now, Cause I have, I do have something that I'd like to get up. No, I'm teasing you. Carry on, please. Oh. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you are the host of the show. Uh, uh okay. Uh, so, only if um, Steven's done talking. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, hang on, hang on a sec. Um, oh, I can't mute Dally on here anymore. <laughs> Suckers. All right, this was. Oh, I didn't do that. That, wasn't me. <laughs> that was not me. Apparently, it wasn't God, me. I almost gave my password. Um, this was oh, great sci-fi TV. There you go. I can actually. Do it. <laughs> See, it works. Yeah. So, anyway, um, we'd love to know what the audience thought, and you can always respond to us via um, Twitter with uh, at the Lonely Tardis, like or you can leave a comment here on the on the on the YouTube page or on the website. And God, can he even unmute himself? Can he unmute himself, I like I'm wondering. Yeah, I'm just waiting for you guys. Oh, oh. <laughs> go on, Dali, man. You're up. You're up, mate. No, uh, this is great sci-fi TV. It really was. I, I think, Marcus, you said you said a lot of uh, things that I'm agreeing with. Sean, you also said a lot of things that I'm agreeing with here, which is maybe a first for me to agree with both of you guys. Um, just kidding. It's not. I always agree with both of you guys. This, and you uh, thought Steve, Stephen spouted a load of shit. Yeah. Stephen had the first half hour of the show all to himself. So no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Damn. So this was great sci-fi TV. I felt like... Um, uh, Anybody who is first hopping into Doctor Who could watch this and get it. And, and I think it was it was written well enough that it didn't kind of, you know, uh, the, the problem that we had with Capaldi was we already knew who the Doctor was. Everybody who watched Capaldi had to know who the do who, who Doctor Who was. It wasn't a good jumping on point for new, new viewers. This Doctor, uh, Doctor number 13, is to me felt like much more of a hard reboot and not necessarily wiping away the doctor's history, but uh, you know, that she created a sonic screwdriver and explained what a sonic screwdriver was. Didn't have an old sonic screwdriver that she, uh, you know, used from a previous doctor. No, this was hers. It was brand new. She created it herself. Um, the TARDIS is going to be what, however new it's going to be, but that, that a whole plot point. Uh, so I think overall it was a great, uh, great sci-fi TV that anybody could get into, but it didn't feel like a Doctor Who episode to me. I'm so used to it. Maybe it's just the baggage of the last several seasons. Um, really? There, there wasn't the epicness, I guess is that a word, the, the scale that, especially coming off those last few Capaldi episodes where the entire universe, whether it was a story told on the ship or a story told on a planet, or even a story told in a school. Um, that scale wasn't there. There wasn't any timey-wimey stuff happening. Uh, it was just a aliens invade Earth. It felt like a, God, I hate saying it this way, a really good like episode of Torchwood, which isn't a bad thing. 
but it didn't quite feel Doctor Who enough to me. I think everybody acted extremely well. There was that the touching scene with uh, Graham's character and, and and his wife. You know, the, the funeral. Um, there was actually a lot of emotion. This was, this was I think, a well written, well very well crafted emotional plot line because the, the main character or one of the the, the companions. Um, uh, what was his name? Uh, Tosin, um, uh, Ryan Sinclair. He uh, he suffers from he's dyspraxic, and so he actually has coordination issues, um, which is the whole bike riding thing. I know a couple of folks are trying to wonder why they made the big deal about it, but that does kind of factor in throughout the episode. All of these threads were really great, but it didn't feel like didn't feel the scale. Like there was no Gallifrey in tech. It was it was more about just an alien on Earth. Kind of it, it was. John Pertwee-esque in a way. Because I remember Pertwee was stuck on Earth, Doctor Number 3, um, and just solved stuff out of unit or wherever it was for, for the majority of the first season. Uh, and part of it was obviously the BBC's budget, budgetary issues. But this didn't have that scale. And I didn't have the, the space and the time and everything coming together. And that felt like a little bit of a loss from what the Doctor is. Until the very end, that very last scene. I know there's a good, good cliffhanger, but... Um, but I did like it. it. Suffice to say, I just didn't felt like it. Didn't feel like a Doctor Who. Well, remember the first Matt Smith episode? I mean, you know, the the TARDIS was cooking, and you know, his Sonic blew up, and he had to try and figure out everything mm. using Earth Tech and uh, to catch Prisoner Zero. Um, I thought it, it it did sort of jump back to that a, a fair amount. Um, in you know, in, in my opinion, I think that it, it'll. It, it, I get your point. I mean, it's yeah. totally understandable given that Chibnall yep. is more of an ensemble drama writer with um, his work with Torchwood and his work on uh, Broadchurch. Um, I don't think it suffered for it. I mean, as you said, I think it was a perfect introduction mm-hmm. to the to the new Who um, for a lot of people, as these things most uh, mo- uh, you know are. And I thought it was refreshing in a lot of ways because it didn't feel Moffaty. Yep, mm-hmm. I agree um, with you. I agree and, with you. Yeah. And I think, honestly, coming from the last couple of episodes of Capaldi's Reign, where yes, it was, um, you know, grand and in, uh, you know, in its view and its, you know, expanse and budget, and there was scenery chewing. This did feel a little more like almost like Eccleston's early episodes as yeah, well. Yeah. They, and in the UK, they call them kitchen sink dramas. Because the you know the all the action uh, you know focuses around a, a small group of people, you know, at, in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, and just it's that sort of like soap opera esque um, way, and I think that's what we can expect from from uh, from Chibnall, and we'll see if he can actually I, handle the bigger yeah. grand adventures. Because when he's gone, total sci-fi, we end up with Cyber Woman. I think what what hopefully what happens is that we have a um, a good you know, the consistent buildup towards some of this grander stuff that we know is coming, obviously it is Dr. Who. Uh, and in a way, not throwing that all in the very first episode is a, is potentially a positive. And uh, again, I, I didn't dislike this, but I like this episode. It didn't have that Dr. Who scale because maybe that's kind of what we've, what I've gotten used to from Dr. Who is just crazy space time stories that, um, you know, <laughs> destroy previous, who lore, which this did none of, by the way. This did not destroy any previous who lore. Uh, Marcus, I think you're probably thankful of that. <laughs> well, no, look, um, I, uh, I I, think Moffat wrecking bald enough of that. Yeah. Um, I don't think, you know, I think going into this, by even, you know, paying my subscription to watch this, this season, uh, I've got to accept, and this is my own personal thing, that everything I've known for a long time is not set in stone everything is incredibly flexible every you know a lot of canon has been rewritten and you know we are talking about a bloody science fiction show about a you know two thousand year old being who who runs around in a friggin' police box so you know i mean it is suspension of disbelief so yeah i mean um did i you know was i glad was i glad that there was nothing you know they didn't mess with any other canon actually it didn't cross my mind because you know i think all bets are off Mm-hmm. For this for this season, and I'm sure they feel, um, you know, Chibnall's going to feel very emboldened by 
the success of the ratings uh, from the UK, because again, with all due respect to America, um, if it doesn't do well in Britain, Doctor Who goes away. Uh, if you know, no matter how well it does in America, because it's a British show and a British institution, and the minute it loses its British soul, uh, it becomes just like any, like any other generic crap we see on TV. So, no, again, no offense to you Americans, we're happily taking mm-hmm. money, but leave our fucking sci-fi alone. Any uh, <laughs> any good? We're, we're running we're running close to being out of time. Any I good? Uh, any good final? Th- or any final thoughts? I think, Dolly, it just comes down to preference at this point. Yeah. To your point about liking it but not feeling like who or epic or whatever. Sure. Um, like the other guys were saying, I really enjoyed that just because of mm-hmm. how – I don't even know if I realized how hungry I was for something different. Um, <laughs> so it was comforting to get a lot of the similarities. And like Marcus was saying, it's easy to forget because of all the batshit Moffat stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to forget that Capaldi spent his whole time in 1800s London on his first episode, or Matt Smith in his little village in the Kissagram, or or even David Tennant. Yes, David Tennant had an alien guy coming down to invade the the city or whatever, but he was asleep most of his, and it all took place on Earth, right? So, um, Or Eccleston. Eccleston's whole thing was in one city, and then with the the, whatever they were called, the the mannequin people. So I, I don't. The nesting consciousness. The nesting, yes. Yeah. yes. The Nestle consciousness. The, the, or, the, the autons. Nestle, the Nestle crunchiness. Yes. Um, the, the croutons. Well, and then this, the, you know, this episode was a callback to that because we did have a giant Hershey's kiss uh, as the bad guy. So. Yeah. There and, you go. Um, just to let you know, Kill there's no such thing as a Hershey's kiss in the UK. Um, they have very strict laws on shit chocolate. Oh. Anything manufactured by the Hershey company. Um, out of Pennsylvania is actually thrown overboard into the ocean before it gets to the UK. Um, we really, you know, there's a reason that uh, the Hershey Highway has a um, another it meaning. Quite literally, and, isn't it? <laughs> and that's literally because of the taste of their chocolate. Thank you very much. Go Cadbury's UK. Uh, do not eat anything with the Hershey label on. It's <laughs> fucking earwax. I mean, it would cause a doctor to regenerate. Well, with so that, that, I just wanted to point out. I think Daly's just uh, is just feeling a little bit of Stockholm syndrome for the Moffat years. Could be, it's, yeah, I problem. think so. Yeah. yeah, he's been held hostage for so fucking long that uh, he can't <laughs> imagine a better world. It might, that might very much be it. That might very much be it. Um, well, let's give our final thoughts here before we get into our our ratings. Just any any last last thoughts before uh, before we close up shop for close the TARDIS for the evening. An encouraging start. Okay. Agreed. And I hope with good performances. Um I she didn't get she didn't get ditzy. That was my and that's ditzy with a D, not Mm -hmm. any other. Um you know there were I thought there might you know the the the, it would have been easy to fall into a couple of tropes and a couple of uh, stereotypes. Um that to their credit the the writers and the cast didn't fall into. Um, and I am, you know, I'm not going to say that Jodie Whittaker is my doctor yet, um, but she certainly did a lot of good stuff right, and now she just toned down that god-awful accent. <laughs> Stephen, being, what ra- being racist to Sheffield doesn't count. <laughs> Stephen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think it was, uh, re- like, yeah, I think it's the best uh, introduction to a doctor we've had in a little while now. Um, I, ju- I really like Jodie Whittaker, I like I like the tone that we're going for here. I I, I also agree. With like, I, yes, Chibnall was responsible for the Cyberwoman, but that was also a long time ago. You know, we all live, we all learn. Uh, we've all made mistakes in our past that we would prefer to forget. No, I'm I'm very optimistic about where this is going. Uh, I thought it was funny and fun and just you know emotional and personal. And uh, I love the supporting cast and want to see them all work together going forward like i'm excited about doctor who for the first time in a long time really sean yeah um i echo the sentiments that have already been said i i'm really looking forward to and i hope that they explore more with the characters and like you were saying um sort of fleshing them out a little bit uh the the ailments the disability the 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 loss right um i think this is ripe for some narrative um fun and and some really good storytelling, and I'm I'm very curious how they leverage that going forward. Again, compared to the previous years of Impossible Girls and whatever, mm-hmm. um, 
it was solid. I, I liked the introduction of the new enemy. I thought it was creepy as hell. It, it as much of a bumbling fool as he was. The the teeth stuff and everything was just uh, well done. Um, and and I've really liked her in the role. And I'm as I'm sure it has been said exhaustively everywhere else in much much more detail. She really is doing this at what comes as a pretty critical time in pop culture and the world in general. Um, and it's an important time to have a female doctor. And I am <clears throat> I'm happy so many people are happy with it. I'm happy that she can be a role model for so many people across the world. And I am really, really hope that this series lives up to the potential of her and everything around it right now. And what Doctor Who has been and can be again. Excellent. All right. My thoughts are, again, I very strong debut for uh, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. Um, a great jumping on point for new fans. I think anybody can watch this episode and not be forced to, to already know what uh, what Doctor Who who Doctor Who is in the history. This is a great a great start for folks. Um, I it, I enjoyed uh, quite a bit of it. I think this is a uh, good solid all around episode. Not my favorite Who, but uh, I I did like it. So um, a quick a uh, couple quick comments from. Uh, our good friend, uh, Alan Paxton, good friend on Twitter. He says, the new cinematography and creative team was evident from the first shot. Story was everything you've come to expect from a new Doctor's first episode, including the creepy teeth bad guy. Uh, I think the side characters were, for the most part, all right, with Bradley Walsh being the high point for me, particularly his moment to shine at the funeral. I look forward to seeing more, even though the usual tease at the end was let down, and seeing how this Doctor evolves. Please let us know... Uh, what your thoughts are about the first episode of Doctor Who, um, tweet at us at Lonely Tardis uh, or post in our Facebook group um, or even leave comments on the YouTube page whenever that gets up in Twitch. Um, and we will we'll, we will cover them at the beginning of, of the next episode. In the meantime, we need to choose, we need to vote out of five tentacles. I was going to use incisors or, or molars in, in honor of our predator, uh, our teeth predator guy. But let's do uh, five tentacles. Out of five tentacles, what do you guys rate this this episode one of season eleven Doctor Who, Stephen? I'm definitely going to give it a four out of five. I think there was, like, from what I understand, like this part didn't bother me because I didn't see it. But like, so from what I understand, like, it sounds like the production stuff around the edges was not super great, which might have interfered with somebody's with some people's uh, uh, enjoyment of it. And I do kind of feel like there was some weirdness with those deleted scene type moments. Like, again, I, I'm kind of just guessing on that, but like I wanted to see that stuff explored a little bit more. And the fact that it's there left hanging like that in such a way was very distracting, but overall very much liked it. Like just really loved the zeroing in on the characters and the focus on the uh, cast. So, yeah. Okay. Sean, how many tentacles? We're really doing tentacles. Yeah. Let's do that. Uh, I give this episode four out of five. I really liked it. There's a lot of strong elements to it. Very strong start. Um, we didn't touch on this, but the, the, that it was brought up by somebody else is a, is a good point. It really was beautiful. Uh, the cinematography really shone through as, as something different from how it was shot previously, which I really appreciated. Um, I liked that this doctor wasn't trying to tell everyone that they were the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, just made some like, did he just say I had a small brain or whatever? Um, <laughs> And it was it was it was good. It was it was it was good. Who um, to Stephen's point, there were a couple of things that felt a little rushed or or a little sort of maybe missing. Um, the crane scene comes to mind, but but props to everybody for pulling it off. There there were a lot of eyes on it, a lot of pressure. Um, they they have a really good start here. And I read she did her own stunts, or she was really up there on the crane. And if that's true, extra props to her because that is really really awesome. Mm. So four out of five for me. Okay, Marcus. Um, can I just say, and this has come up a few, a few times, I actually do like it when the Doctor says, you know, it, not, not all the time, but, you know, throws in, I am the smartest person in the room. <laughs> uh, because they are the smartest person in the room. And I also, you know, and obviously um, Moffat took it to extremes with the girl who waited and the, the impossible girl and blah, 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 blah. I am happy with some exceptionalism in the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. I am happy with... People, all those people were exceptional in different ways. They weren't just regular Joe schlubs. 
mm-hmm. in an era where everybody has to be fucking special, no thank you. I appreciate that there are people there were people who were special enough to to be to, to go on this journey because they are brave. They are, uh, you know, they they are selfless. They are this. They are that. They are the role models that, that we need. And I am just sick to the back teeth of you know this whole generation of uh, you know of people. Um, and I say generation in, in almost like a thirty year span of people, maybe even more, who are just like, well, I'm exceptional because because c- I am. I want a fucking trophy. <laughs> I turned up. And long, I want people, to, a doctor who should be aspirational to girls, to boys, to everybody um, with regards to, I want to be special enough to be on the TARDIS. No, you know, it's, it's, it's like no shirts, no shoes, no service. No and, brain, no spine, no heart, uh, no TARDIS. The, the thing I think that the, this episode, like it, to kind of like massage that a little bit, I think that the one thing that this episode particularly does well in that regard is like, I mean, there's a like, there's a like Randianism, right? But then there's like the doctor points out that like uh, people make their choices and stuff like that. Like when she's talking to the to Tim Shaw, uh, as he's now canonically called, uh, she says like people can surprise you. People make decisions and stuff like that, and like that's what makes them special at the end of the end of the day. Like some not everybody's going to be great and like naturally out of the gate at certain things and whatever, but. You at the end of the day, you make your choices, and your choices are what define you, and that is what makes you special or not special. And you know, in the case of like the the again the like crane operator guy, like he just wanted to go out and live his life or whatever, and like you know that's that was fine for him or whatever. But like when it came to like going up there and like climbing up the thing to fight the monster, and Grace sacrifices her life to do that and stuff like that, is because she chose to do it, not because she had some special alien fighting powers or something. No, no, no. no. That's uh, but that's the special. She chose to do that's it. That's saying. why she's special. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, look, I'm, agree, I'm agreeing with you. So I, yeah, I just, I, I mean, I just want to sort of like, you know, I, I'm happy to have exceptional people in, in the TARDIS. So anyway, I just went off, off on this tangent because sure. it's an old man thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I believe that, you know, you need, you deserve to be, you, to, to deserve to be there, you really need to deserve it. Um, I would give, I would give this four tentacles out of five, but I'm dropping to, uh, 0.25% for the shitty BBC America shenanigans. <laughs> Uh, taking it down to a 3.75 and just a mess with 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 Dali's thing, but I think it was a very strong uh, opening episode and a strong start for Jodie Whittaker and for Chris Chibnall. And uh, let's yes, I'm very much looking forward to where this is going. I'm in for the season. All right. Uh, well, Dali, really quick, just yeah. a quick, 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 quick clarification. Yeah, go ahead. I love when. They're the smartest person in the room. I love when the companions are there mm-hmm. because they're brave and courageous and selfless. What I like when I was trying to get across is Moffat went so over the top so often to make mm-hmm. the book tell everyone that, that I liked that this was more showing it. Um, yes. Yeah. And I, I would like that balance moving forward. Where there will that, be plenty that was of- his character, though. That was his, that was Capaldi's character. And it came through, and if you look at it, it almost came, it, st- it did start more with Matt Smith. Right. Um, you know, there was some little bits of it in Tenant, but that was more of a Moffat push through. Yes. Um, but the, but they fitted into his characters again. It's two thousand year old. It's a two thousand year old person who is going to get cranky and crotchety. And I am looking for. I, I hope to God that they don't. You know, they don't push away the cranky and crotchety uh, in this season because uh, you know I hope that we get it. And I hope that we get it, uh, you know, in a way that really works. And there is a bit of a temper there because when Matt Smith or David Tennant lost their tempers, that cold fury was actually really cool. And I'd love to see that from from Jodie Whittaker. And you know, and I hope, you know, I hope to God it doesn't come with some cheesy fucking PMS gag. Um, because yes, I think she's, you know, she is a, she is a fine actress. And I think she's going to do great, great in this. But that, that's been my point. The doctor has to remind, sometimes the doctor has to snap and say, boom, I am the smartest person, not only in this room, not in the street, in this city, country world. You know, you are mudheads because we are. I mean, look at us. We are mudheads <laughs> as a species. Look at us in the state we're in right now. We are fucking primitive <clears throat> mudheads, 10 seconds out of the soup. And, you know, we need to be put in our place. Um, I do, you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want a, a shy and self-effacing doctor. Thank you very much. I want a doctor who's a bit of a, you know, an ass. I think you'll get that. I think you'll see. 
I'm actually really looking forward to seeing how she handles that cold fury that you mentioned when she is pushed to that point. Um, but I don't. I would be very surprised if they kept the cranky. <laughs> so well, I mean, it'll be. And you know, this is great. We've totally gone over Dali's one hour. I've just been. I just been spitballing for the last fifteen minutes just to push, <laughs> push Dali over the edge. Are, are you okay, Dali? Have you melted? Dali, when are you going to tell us what you've rated this episode? What is taking you so long? He has turned back into a pumpkin already. That's crazy. Oh, hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the. Oh, it's thanks playing. everybody for listening to the Lonely Tardis. Uh, you can I don't know why he stopped talking. I'd really like to hear what he would what what he would like to rate this. Um, who like who to rate this guy? Yeah, can we just play the? There we go. <laughs> this Three. is the stomp. 3.5. Good, but not great. Great sci-fi. Thanks, guys. You can find us at Lonely Tardis. <laughs> find us individually at Dolly Demosky. Where can we find you, Sean? At Sean Norton. That's A-J-U-N-N-O-R-T-O-N. Steven. At Steven Strom on Twitter. S-T-E-V-E-N-S-T-R-O-M. Marcus? Uh, did you hear the theme tune, by the way? I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they, uh, there we go. We got, it. we got an ad. Thank you, YouTube. Uh, I was going to replay uh, uh, to, to play some Jodie Whittaker in there. Um, what what was the question again? Where can we find you? Uh, don't look for me. That's my standard <laughs> thing. Now on, I I'm I'm in a beef with Twitter right now. Sorry, um, they banned yeah. a good friend of mine over a stupid joke, um, and I'm so over that particular. We can find thing. you in the Lonely Tardis. How does that sound? Yeah, exactly. That's the only place you need to find me. Anyway, you don't need to find Beautiful. me for. For professional reasons, because professionally, I'm not exactly a media person anymore. I do this podcast out of love and my uh, undeni- undeniable attraction for Sean and Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's hard to overcome. Thing, so. yeah. It's all right, guys. I'm old, so I, I've passed that threshold. You yeah, I mean, you, 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 had a, you had at least two, th- two seasons of The Lonely Tardis before I came along. Yep, that's um, true. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it can be difficult. <laughs> See you guys in the next Lonely Tardis. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Good riddance. Bye. 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 <laughs> what a good. We're still live, apparently. The live button.